Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to like wire up balloons that I could drop from my ceiling for this event. Like, hey, it's happened. <laughs> I want, to, I want to thank the Academy and um, I broke this trade. I'm just kidding. I, I, people love when I say that. I did not break this trade. I just heard earlier today that San Jose was a, was was likely. And I wrote that the Sharks are circling. San Jose is likely. But yes. Well, what are, what are I, we going yeah, to What are we going to do? People like that. Heck, what, what are we going to do now? Patch Reddy's traded. Carlson's traded. We might as well shut down the site. I know, I know. Like, what, what am I going to do? Our previews finally. I'm finally, finally going to get to my previews. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, like, yeah, this. I mean, Pana, yeah, Panar. We still got Panarin. He's still got Panarin. He's out there. Yeah, and uh, although I think he's and, and Wayne Simmons and Wayne Simmons, but I think both well, Simmons gonna, isn't doing anything right now. Both are going to be there till no, the, at least deadline. Yeah, at least. But uh, yeah, so I, if I could have dropped balloons, I want to thank Carlson for like. Um, being a good trade rumor guy, like, you know, like, like he like, he made it through like a deadline. Mm-hmm. He made it through the end of the year. He made it through the draft. He got through UFA day. He was like, you know, kept it going, going and going and going. He even recently pictured with the team, but he wasn't available to the media. So, you know, he didn't go the extra mile. Yeah. He did everything he could. And he went, you know, this, this rumor went, but got as much possible juice out of it on hockey buses as we could have. I mean, we could not, I could not write another single, article about Eric Carlson. So I'm so happy it's done. I just want to celebrate. Like I called up my wife and she has some great news at work at the same time. So we were like, she's like, Oh, I got this. I'm like, Oh, well I got this. So everybody's happy. We're all happy. Anyway, let's move on because let's start the show and we'll talk about this. And then we're going to actually get into a couple teams today, uh, Calgary and Carolina. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, but let's start here. Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, September 13th, 2018. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. I'm using my best radio voice today. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And today, we have a, depending on where you're looking at, a coming or a going, um, yeah, and and a, and a re-signing too, like that, like you know, leave it. This 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 was this was one of those like magical like five minute things because Sagan and Carlson, a lot like you know, this this the PK Subban and um and Stamkos thing before. Remember this is like when mm-hmm. when Subban was traded for Weber and and Stamkos signed. Like Stamkos signing was a big deal. Sagan signing was a big deal for about ten minutes because about ten minutes later, this all went down. So let's 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 go through the deal actually, and and let's before we get into actually before we get into say again, we'll start with Carlson because it's yeah. I want to bring up the exact names again because I'm I'm and there's some interesting caveats to this trade, which I think we may have lost Mike, but okay, he would tell us um there's 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 a really bizarre twist, another one of these evil evil twists. Well, there's always. That, that Dorian likes to put into his own like he's just a masochist. I mean, this is like another this is just like well, no. no. All right, so Mike, we're, yeah, Mike, we lost Mike. I think Mike got kidnapped. Well, it's not totally terrible. It's it, I wouldn't say it's 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 probably unfair to say that this is such an evil twist because, as I understand it, um, there's there's some Ottawa gets something if Carlson signs in the Eastern Conference. There's something in that. There's something in that trade, which is like just crazy. I mean. It's fine. That's good. I, I I understand what you're doing. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's, it's a it's a draft pick. It's a pretty. I think it's a pretty good draft pick. Maybe you have a first round draft. But he gets something if he signs in the Eastern. But if if San Jose signs him to an extension, Ottawa gets two first round draft picks. That's that's significant. Yep. Uh, they get one either way. Um, they get Tierney, who is a player that we talked about. We actually have a whole show where we talked about Tierney possibly being in this trade. 
Yeah, Chris Tierney is a really good player. He's an excellent third line center. He I think so too. Yeah, and people who are giving him a hard time, like um, I mean, obviously you knew you just you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to predict the reaction from Senators fans on whoever they got because right, you can't possibly. There's no one is you know the best player in the trade is Carlson. No matter how he slices, you know that's always going to be that's the always going to be the case though. Yeah, so the whole concept of the best player, whoever gets the best player wins the trade. Well, you don't know. I mean, could the first round pick be better than Eric Carlson? There's always that chance. Possible. Unlikely, but it's always a chance. And San Jose will be good, um, of course. But, uh, you know, I do think you'll see. Um, I mean, I think that what this really does now that over the last just couple, last week or so, we have seen two players leave the Atlantic division to go to the Pacific division over the last week. So we have like, Pacioretty is now in Vegas. Um, Carlson now with San Jose. The Pacific, uh, which was struggling, has picked up two major players in yeah. that group. Well, well, I don't know how, how far I got before I got cut off, but I said that the – I don't know if you revealed the clause that I was talking about, but um, I refer to it as the – what's that? Explain it exactly because I, I don't know the exact details of it. Okay. I, I refer to it as the Montgomery Scott clause. It's the old Star Trek, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> um, but, because basically what this is, is uh, and other people are referring to it as the Mike Hoffman clause. If, in this, if Carlson is shipped back to the East mm-hmm. and he is on a roster at any time during the 2018-19 season. Just this year. San Jose. Right. Yeah, just this year. But but it specifies on a roster. So it, it means like all the way up to June 30th. So tra- I'm assuming traded before July 1st. Um, mm-hmm. The San Jose Sharks owe the Senators another first round pick before the year 2022. So right now it's DeMello, Tierney, I think it's Balsers, I think his name is, Rudolph Balsers, uh, Josh Norris, Russell, you've talked about a bunch, a 2020 first-round pick, a 2019 second-round pick, and the two conditional picks. The one condition is if the Sharks make the Stanley Cup final, they get another second-round pick. If Carlson – and then the the, the Eastern Conference clause. So this this is – isn't there a first-round pick if he extends in San Jose, too? I thought that. I no, they, that's not the case. Second-round okay. pick. Okay. Second-round pick. So if he extends in San Jose, it's a second-round pick? Let me mention mm-hmm. the other players, though, because I think if somebody from Ottawa or anybody was going to hate on, on this trade, you can't. because. And I, I want, I'm going to mark this point because Russ is you know, going to know these players better than anybody. And for people in Ottawa who are freaking out right now, Russ is going to make sure. You know, we, we talked about Tierney. Tierney's an excellent player. He, even with some power play time, could get 45, 50 points a year. Just didn't get that kind of time in San Jose. Everything was pretty much even strength. So he had 17 goals, like 40 points. I really like him. I like Chris Tierney a lot. I followed him his entire career. Uh, Dylan DeMello has always been a defenseman who's had some offensive ability. And last year he had 20 assists. Like that's, you know, he's one of those secondary Secondary guys where, you know, you'll have them in somewhere in your middle pairing, bottom pairing, and, you know, can still move the puck, can get, you know, get the play started. So he'll, he'll add some points, but he's just a good defenseman to add. A very good defenseman. He's not great, but he's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudy Bowser is really good. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy is very underrated. One thing he's – for one thing, he's Latvian, right? So when he plays in the World Juniors – yeah, great in the World Juniors. He's pretty much doing it alone, right? They they don't have much of a team, and and he had a great year with with the Barracuda. This guy has a great trigger on his shot, and he has good finesse in his game. But he can also score a lot of garbage goals. He has that in his arsenal. So these are like these are pretty prize picks. And Josh Norris, you know, if you didn't see him in the Summer Showcase, he he scored overtime goals. He was excellent in the World Juniors. I know the now the talk is, well, he won't sign with Ottawa. He'll just walk away because he's a college kid. Here's the thing about college kids. They don't walk away from teams that they can have playing time with. They'll offer him a contract right after this year and say, you could be a top six player with us, and Josh Norris will sign with them. I'd be surprised if he doesn't 
unless they don't offer him a contract. If they don't offer him a contract, they go into a, a senior year situation. Hey, then they're in trouble, right? They wouldn't but, in this deal if they weren't going to offer him a contract. You right. know, they, I, they got they got him to offer him a contract, and you know, you well, know, because like guys like you know, the college people, college players want playing time. I mean, every player wants playing time. So like, just well, I see. Here's the other thing. Okay, well, hang on. Like yeah. Scott Murdoch in this chat room is like, well, Carlson will be retired before these picks ever bloom. The picks are just to replenish the system. The yeah. fact that they got four useful players, really good players. One could be a top liner. One is definitely a third liner, and one could be second or third line. And then one's a you know a defense you know depth defenseman guy, but again, can play a role, a good role. Right. Oh, what else somebody is looking for? I mean, this is again. If, if you are looking at this and you're saying Ottawa didn't do well, and, and I'm telling you, Pierre Dorian is an excellent GM. He is really. If you go look at these trades, he has gotten as much value as he as he's capable of doing. He's drafted well. Like Ottawa's not going to be in a ditch for long. They're really not. But for whatever reason, there's this negative mentality, and I'll challenge anybody in the chat room to tell me that this is a bad trade. I love this. I love this. It's well, well, here, go ahead, I, Michael. Michael challenged probably right away, but go ahead. Well, no, no, no. I, I I'm not going to challenge it because I, I I agree with Russ. But the, but what uh, was strange was when it started to come down, and we hadn't heard the particulars. And we, I was sitting next to a veteran Toronto reporter, and we were ta- talking about what, you know, what San Jose would probably have to give up. And the only name of that group that did come up was Tierney. But we're, you know, we were th- going back and forth of, okay, it's going to be Timo Meyer, It's going to be uh, Kevin LeBanc. It's going to be Hurdle. And, you know, the thing is, it's not Hurdle because Hurdle actually costs money. Right. Hurdle makes over $5 million. And, and, and Hurdle is a key part of that team, so by uh, part of the Sharks. So, you know, moving him sort of – takes away the impact of not the same. I mean, he's a, he's a key contributor. He's a top six forward. So, you know, the Sharks probably wouldn't want to give him up. But I, I thought that them not having a first-round pick in 2019, and this is the thing, Ottawa now is on the track of being one of the worst teams in the NHL this year. There's no doubt. Now, you know, I'm saying, you know, some of these players in this deal will make the Senators. But now, you know, Thomas Shabbat, CC, they're they're part they're the top pairing or top in the top three uh, defensemen on the Senators. You have a, a veteran goalie and Anderson could bounce back, but they're not a good team. They're an incomplete team, and now they've traded their core. They traded their heart, and and they don't have a first round pick. Colorado does. So this is again, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, how they could have not waived or given Colorado that pick this year in this past draft instead of doing what they've done. They've traded Carlson, they've made themselves worse, and they've given up their first-round pick for next year, and they've probably guaranteed a top-five pick next they year. Got, they got a first-round pick back now, so they have a first-round. Now, granted, it's not but, as good a pick as theirs, but they did get and it. It's in, and it's in 2020. Right. So it's it's not, not in 2019. Right. Did the Sharks not have a pick this year? I wonder if they didn't have no. It. They traded the, the Sharks <laughs> pick went to Evan, went to Buffalo for the Evander Kane deal because right. they resigned him. Right. So I mean, I think this is a I think this is a good deal in terms of Ottawa getting as much as they possibly could for a guy. I mean, this is a deal that I would assume again, like with the Pacioretty deal, that he's eventually going to get signed in San Jose. Otherwise, it's giving up a lot for a one rental. But now you look at San Jose's defense with Vlasic. With Burns and Carlson, that's incredible. That's something I wrote this morning because that, along those lines, because this is um, this was a, uh, this is kind of interesting. Okay, so I wrote um, Carlson rumors are indeed intensifying again. Uh, people, people I'm talking to get a sense that most of the chatter implying this is really close to happening is being driven by Ottawa's desire to force the hand of some teams, which they have discussed Carlson with, um, and the Sens really want this done. Um, the price is still crazy high, and one source confirmed it was four pieces, which it did turn out to be four four players. Another said he had a feeling um, he's going to Tampa. Another said that the feeling is around the NHL that he is going to Tampa next year. So why would anyone give up four parts for one year of Carlson? You'd have to believe Carlson 
you'd have to believe you were a Carlson away to win a Stanley Cup, he said. And one team does, and that team is the San Jose Sharks. Right. Um, so this is like, and it's interesting because um, Wilson's been trying to get something done for a while now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this morning, I even did hear, and I wrote this, that I heard that there was talk of looking into an extension. I don't know how far that went. Um, but uh, that, you know, so you, you only hear of extension if you have the deal done. So, But the clues have been out there, right? Like, we've been talking West Coast for a while. Doug Wilson even said when he didn't get Tavares, he didn't fill the cap space on purpose because yeah. he was looking for a difference maker. And, and he didn't want to say that he felt would win him a Stanley Cup, but we all knew what he meant. This and feels like it's coming from above. Like, it feels like this is like I've seen, you've seen this happen teams before. Like, Doug Wilson is the kind of guy who we've seen him. I mean, how long has he been? He's been a GM for a really long time there. He's, he's been a great GM. I know you and I have differed a couple of years ago where you thought maybe he was going to get axed. No, but I've always thought he was a good GM. I agree yeah. with you. I, I've always thought he's in, he's, he's been, he was one exceptional before anyone was an exceptional at managing the cap. He was always good at that. He really rarely ran into situations that were tough, um, and he, you know, he would get people to take discounts and things like that. He wouldn't pay a lot. I mean, he wouldn't do long deals. He was notorious for that. Notorious for not doing more than five years, right? And I think that finally broke with Velasic, but it, that's how long it took for that. But Doug Wilson is also the kind of he he does have the belief and the mindset of you just you you make your team good, you get into the Stanley, you get into the playoffs, and anything can happen any year. He's not necessarily a go-for-it GM like this. And we've seen Tavares and we've seen Carlson now. So to me, this signifies, and I, I don't have this on any any source or anything like that, but it just based on Carl, based on um, Wilson's actions throughout his career and now this year, this offseason, I get a sense that maybe the owners in San Jose want to take a – they're like they went to him and said, we're going to take a shot. We're going to yeah. take a well, shot. It- it might be partially that, but I think he's also reading the landscape of his own team. You've got Thornton, who's probably, I would say, you know, more than 50-50. This is his last year. Yeah. He signs another, you know, $5 million contract. It was less than what he sent for last year. Yeah. Uh, Pavelski, who I think they probably want to retain, he's a UFA. And they offered Tavares $13 million. Yeah. So b- being able to extend Carlson – for you know around what uh, what Dowdy makes around ten million or eleven million I think it's in that 10, I think it's ten um, I don't think is going to be a problem for them they may have to do a little bit of a selling job but as you know Eck it's not tough to sell San Jose as a no, terms of they, area to live in yeah San Jose is not is a really great I mean it is the only thing that San Jose does have it is a crazy expensive place to live now it doesn't necessarily matter you know to players I'm, like so Sweden I don't think. Eric Carlson's worried about that. Right, right. But I mean, when we when we talk about you know people go like the taxes and the real estate's less in places like Dallas, San Jose is is, is among the most expensive places to live yeah. in the NHL. Um, but it's also it's that way because it is one of the most beautiful places to live in the NHL too. And yeah. it and the weather is fantastic year round. Um, and and you know and it's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to, to for kids. There's so many activities. I mean, California is is a is a wonderland. It's a phenomenal state. Um, you know, and my wife and I were always like, you know, joking. We both had, we were, when she was living out there and we were engaged, I spent a lot of time out there when I was touring. Um, and we both jokingly say, you know, why do we move back to Pennsylvania again? I mean, California is absolutely stunning, right? Um, we came back for family, but, you know, it is, it's a great place. You can, so Carlson makes a lot of sense there. Um, you know, every time I thought about it, like, you, you, just, you could picture him in the uniform, you could just picture him in that environment with that kind of team. It, it's a well, great, He's going to love the fact that the media is not what it is in Ottawa. It's the opposite of Ottawa in terms of, you know, Ottawa is such a rumor mill within Ottawa itself because there's only a few bars that players go to. There's not a lot of people living in Ottawa. It's a lot of government people in Ottawa. So, like, it, you, we've over the years, we've seen all yeah. the people being chased from Ottawa because of the, like, Spezza and the Emory and all yeah, The thing about Ottawa is, yeah, you can't get away from the fans. Like, if you go out to, to party or whatever, the fans are there with you. They're right on top, yeah. and and they love to gossip in Ottawa. Um, it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a, it, it, it's, a it's a it's a it's a transient city, and half the half the people who live in Ottawa are not fans of the Senators because they're from Alberta or they're from you know Southern Ontario and whatever. So they're fans of other teams. What I thought was interesting is yesterday when we had Kevin on the show. Um, 
he talked about Tampa and how he didn't think that Tampa was out of the whole situation. And the thing that was strange was he said, well, Tampa didn't have enough resources in terms of assets to trade. And Russ and I both know that Tampa is, is absolutely loaded in terms of an organization, in terms of young assets and draft picks and prospects. I think the, the, the Tampa mentality, was would we give up seven, six, seven, eight pieces like Santos did for a guy we may get next year free agent and not have to spend sets? Right, do, me favor, is, do me a favor and log out and log back in with us or your phone. Maybe you start your phone. You're just not in a good cell area. Here, here's what I think, though. I mean, right now, of course, they'll talk extension. He's not going to sign an extension, but at least they'll have an idea of where the money is. He's not going to sign it right away. I think Eric Carlson will listen to all offers. And I think what will happen is because of that, if they have a really good season, if they're really close to winning a cup, they probably have a 50% chance of re-signing him. But they also have probably a 65% chance of winning the cup this year. So I think it's a tremendous move. I think they have to do it. Look at that power play now. That power play just got insane. It was already really good. Yeah. Now you have Burns and Carlson on the point. And Joe Thornton's around. <laughs> Thornton is still a great power play player. You know, Pavelski, you know, That's what I'm saying. I just I, – I like that end of it. But I also – again, I have to address this end of it from the Ottawa end. I, I know people in Ottawa. I talk to people there all the time. Uh, this situation won't stay like this forever. They will get an arena. Things will get better. And that's why I believe Duchesne and Stone will get re-signed. I've spoken to people there. Those guys want to be there. The reason they came out the other day and said what they said is because those guys want to be there. They're going to have to spend money anyhow. You're still an NHL franchise. Those guys will get contracts. So, I, you know, for people that say, oh, they're going to be gone, they're not going to be gone. Now, Cody Ceci, yeah, he could be gone. Because, again, Ottawa's got other defensemen in their system. They already have young defensemen coming up. Cody Ceci is a guy that, yeah, if they don't want to pay him his price – I, I don't blame him. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be a tough one. He's he's, yeah. he's definitely at a different stage than probably that you know they would want to sign a player right right now. Um, but you're right about. I mean, th- there's an interesting thing about hockey players, and, and I know you know this, and it's like you've seen this before. They um they thrive on in the underdog scenarios, and they and and if that, if if the whole world says that they suck. It's like it, it's it's like something that every coach wants to happen. It's 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 an amazing thing. Like there's no question that he, even I think Melnick came out and said in his letter to the fans, you know, we were, you know, everybody thinks we're terrible and we love we love that we embrace that. Really not what not really a place for the owner to say that, but players definitely jump in. And you know, so so the player who was interviewed by Melnick or who, who interviewed Melnick in that infamous inter, infamous uh, who was that again? I can't remember. Mark Borvieski. Right. Right. Okay, I was told because I remember I talked about. It, I thought it was a strange thing. I mentioned this on the air, off the air, but I thought it was a strange thing that that an agent would let this happen, like that a player would be put in this spot and like in a comfortable spot. I was told that he volunteered to do that. That he feels really strongly about Ottawa. Feels really strongly about the players who are there. Feels like they're getting ripped on. Feels like everybody thinks Carlson's the only player that's worth anything, and he wanted to be a part of that. Like he volunteered to do that. Which is a really interesting, uh, great thing to know. Like, I mean, you know, and I think that, I mean, that really shows leadership. It shows the players, you know, no matter what situation, they, they'll embrace. There are players, there are always players who will be prima donnas and will always want to get out of there. But, but that's the, that's the re- exception in hockey for the most part. Players, they can be on a team that's just terrible and they still embrace the situation and they, they all, they're the hockey players are such optimists usually. I find that they're always like the eternal optimists. They always think, uh, we you know we could be good. We goalie we get a be- get better goalie or this goalie gets hot. They don't see it like fans. They don't, they don't ever see it like fans see it. You know, fans see it totally differently than the players do. And they're not guaranteed to come in dead last. I mean, no. they have more talent than that. They're probably not going to be able to move Bobby Ryan. Now we know that Gabrick's going on LTIR. That doesn't shock us. Like remember, I mentioned that a while ago. Right. That I thought that that might happen, but still. They still have Duchesne. They still have Stone. They're not going to trade these all these guys this year. They're probably not coming in last place. I got news for people that think they yeah, are. Yeah, I, 
I'm, 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 I don't agree with that, Russ. I think they're horrible. I mean, I think they, you know, they, they do have Stone and they do have Duchesne, but I, you know, more than likely, I mean, he's right now, he's going to still get 25 goals. Yeah, that's the thing. They yeah, say. until until he until he breaks his finger, which will probably be like in game three. You sit there and say that they're horrible um, because obviously they've lost. Because they are. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that for for no, shock value. I'm saying it because they believe it. They're no one's horrible until they play a game this year. First off. You know, so we have well, to sit, you can sit there and you can project that the players aren't going to develop or none of the rookies are going to come in and make right. an impact or whatever. But you, we don't know any of that. That's not you can't tell that. Yet. I mean, no one knew what would, I mean, forever. We'll have Vegas. In the no. team, right. We just no one knows what's going to happen here. Um, and they have a good goalie. And two and t- yes. And two years ago, they proved me wrong because I said they were going to finish in last place. Right. And they you came within one goal. of. Yeah, no. And that's true. What's that? They're going to prove you wrong again. I mean, if you well, go, I know, but last la, la, last year when I didn't predict them, they did end up near the bottom of the league. Who's so worse? you know, who's worse? Who's worse? Let's throw this out there for a second. Montreal or Ottawa? Ottawa. Montreal's worse. You, Russ, you think Ottawa. Montreal's worse? Right? Absolutely, Montreal's worse. Yeah. Other than Carey Price, their defense isn't even as good as Ottawa's. Right. They have a better offense, perhaps, but that's even iffy. That's very iffy. And with no without Shea Weber for who knows how long, I think Montreal is is is, is right there. You know, like I, I think that they're right there. Now, who's you know Carolina or Ottawa? But but right now, right now, oh, um, Carolina's better. Carolina should be better. They well, should they be, but it's close. It's close. because we're we're but with both I think Buffalo is better than Ottawa. Sure, I think Buffalo is better. Sure. I think the only team. I, I think the only team in the in the Atlantic that has a chance to be worse than Ottawa is not Montreal. Is Detroit without Zetterberg? I think tell you Jimmy the Islanders. No, the I, Islanders could be worse than Ottawa. Well, it's really interesting. Like I, yeah, I said in the I said in the Atlantic. Okay, in the, in the Atlantic. Right. I mean, uh, listen. I mean, let's just. I mean, the Atlantic was already the worst division in hockey, and it has lost Eric Carlson and Matt Spatchett mm-hmm. over the last couple of days. Right. So we're talking about. A division that, but there are I, I will, obviously there's still players here. But what I think that what I think this all points to is Florida is going to be good. I think Florida is going Florida is going to be really hard to keep out of the playoffs. It feels more and more to me like we got four teams coming out of each division because well, well because only only in fact you can beat up on so many of the teams and Florida is 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 a good team. Only if. Luongo stays healthy. Right. They are, I agree. Their 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 defense is really good. Their forwards are great up the middle, especially with Trocheck and uh, and Borgstrom and of course Barkov. But I'm sorry if if it if it if Luongo gets hurt and they have to play with James Reimer and Michael Hutchinson, they're not a playoff team. Now, if they if Luongo can play 50 to 55 games, then I think you're right. But I'll tell you who is the happiest. Bruins. Oh, man, we're losing again. My the God. fear of Carlson going to. We get you're in and out. Like, Bruins are happy as I got that. But um, yeah, oh man, I don't know. I would seem we're having trouble trouble with Mike today. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, Mike. You're you're, you're like everything. Here's the other thing I was gonna say, um, like cousin Eddie's like sixty five percent chance for San Jose to win a cup. Yeah. I got to tell you something. I'm not a betting guy, but if, if the betting line after this trade were to come out like San Jose still something like eight to one or ten to one, you should bet that because they have the best team in the West right now. They do. Yeah. Yes. I know. I, I mean, I think I think they've vaulted. I mean, they've countered the Vegas move of Pat Reddy. Yep. And I think they're you know it's it's them, it's Nashville, it's Winnipeg, and it's Vegas. And that you know, there's your there's your top four in the West, um, but no, I, I like like I said, I don't know if I was garbled or not. I think the two teams in the East that were the most happy with this trade were Boston and Toronto because if Tampa had gotten Carlson, I don't think they would have a chance to beat Tampa in the to get out of the Atlantic. Now, with with Carlson at least this year uh, out West. Tampa is still a juggernaut, but I still th- I think they're you know now they're at least beatable in in the realm of possibility by the Bruins or the Leafs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean they are. I mean I I I, I just think that I really feel like we're just it, 
it's too it's too soon to say on so many of these teams. And there's so many question marks. And we're going to get into Carolina preview next here because there's so many question marks with so many teams in that in the Atlantic Division, especially and even the Metro Division. You know, the the East Eastern Conference so hard to so hard to predict actually, um, with the exception of a few teams. There's, there's a real big to me. There's a real big um, middle, but, and there's there's a couple teams that are obvious. In the, in the top, and there's a couple teams that are obvious on the bottom. But the middle is like is huge. I mean, absolutely huge, right? So, well, before before we get into the previews, we have to talk about the other big news yes, of the day. So then, so earlier today, I was talking to somebody, and I was about to write in my next blog that Tyler that, that Sagan was close to signing because, and he, it was not not the first person who said this. It was going on all day. Um, it was going on for the last couple of days, but um. I talked to somebody who said that Sagan back way back um, last week was telling people he wasn't worried about it at all, that it was basically going to get done. And it's interesting that you hear he's disappointed. He, you know, he came out and said some things that he was disappointed, you know, in the mid, right after, you know, right before that. But I also, didn't he say all that stuff at like a golf tournament? I'm kind of like, no, would, it was, it was at the bio, bio steel uh, gathering in, uh, in Toronto. And, and a lot of people thought that basically he said that to jumpstart things. Cause he, you know, he, there wasn't a lot of traction with the negotiations and he made a lot of noise about potentially, well, being a UFA and following in the footsteps of John Tavares. So right. I think that got things going. Right. Right. And if you look, and if you look at the deal, I mean, essentially, and remember, Jamie Ben got nine and a half million. I think the cap was seventy three point five or something like that the year that he signed that extension. Um, Sagan got nine point eight seven five, so they didn't give him over ten million. So he didn't beat, he didn't beat Tavares, he didn't beat Anze Kopitar. I think he's a better offensive player than Kopitar is. He didn't break ten million, and in terms of percentage of cap, I think he's on par with Ben. So this is a good deal. As Russ said to me, he says, this is a good deal for nil. I, I, I think that's right. This is a great deal. I mean, he's a center. He's a top 10 scorer in the league. He is a fire starter. He's young. Like you're getting everything you want out of a guy right now. Yeah. Keeping him there. We talked about it. Like we would have been shocked if he didn't go. Like I said, other than Jim Montgomery hating him, I couldn't understand why he would ever go anyhow. So that's that's I'm I'm not shocked that he got extended. We all expected it. But the thing is, he is the kind of player you can build around. And so at the end of the day, like Mike said, when Spets is gone, no big deal. You still have Tyler Sagan. Teams would kill for Tyler Sagan. If he ever got on the open market, they would probably pay more than what Dallas just paid for him. You're definitely right about that. I mean, yeah, and and it really I guess we shouldn't have. I guess we should have expected this. I was, I was starting to worry. I mean, I guess I was just starting to worry. Well, I, mean, a little bit. I mean, look, you have to always worry in today's day and age. I, I wasn't going to say it was a lock. I never said it was a lock because nothing's a lock anymore. But you know, if you look at it, they had to do this deal. Oh, they definitely had to do this deal. I mean, they did. I mean, at the end of the day, they really had to. Do this. And the way they announced it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> this has to be seen. Okay. This this is what I love. This we talk about all the things we hate about social media. This is what we love about social media. So then they have so that if you're if you're listening to the podcast, there's a little green guy with a hockey stick going through, destroying all these logos of teams. So you have two boys like signs, and maybe those are teams that are interested in him. He takes the predators out. You know, and it's it's a Mario, it's basically a Mario game. Picks up the capitals, crosses the river Hades, you know, under the rink. Now he's playing against uh, Val, you know, um, and scores a goal, and and then this is the greatest thing. Then there's a little, oh, this is the amazing thing. Thank you, Tyler. Your quest is over. We present you with a new contract extension. It's 2027. That's just awesome. Come on now. This is they win the internet today. They do. They totally win the internet. You know, and I thought that was the most amazing. And again, right after that too. And this is what people out there are so crazy creative. Someone right after that writes, um, to, in response to that, we're sorry, but Eric Carlson is in another castle. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's Super Mario Brothers one or two. That would be that's uh, I, that would be Super Mario Brothers two, I think. I don't know. I never played. I think Super it's one. Mario. Remember, remember the whole the whole joke was you were always trying to save the princess, and you would get to the end. You would get to the end of the level, and it says, "We're sorry, the princess is in another castle." So that was that was the joke that they say we're sorry, Eric Carlson's in another castle. 
Yeah, see, I, I never played Super Mario. I just wasn't. It's phenomenal. I mean, just awesome. I mean, just awesome stuff. That's great. That's that's fantastic. And again, yeah. now this is something that could definitely give hope to Dallas Stars fans. Like now, you don't have to worry about losing this guy. You've got a new coach. You've got a lot of young players. It's looking pretty good in Dallas. But it was it was a no brainer in the sense that it's his contract. I think he was making. Seven and a half. He was. Ex it's expiring at the end of this year, and you had the open cap space because you know Sagan was making I think five seven five. So I mean, you had the room to sign him, and he is your number one center now. You know they. I think they need to improve their depth up the middle. You know, but that's not Sagan's fault. I mean, he's a number one, and he's a you know a a very good number one center. So yeah, this was a no brainer, but it was a good amount, and that, that was good on nil. Yeah, really good on him, and you know, and it, it was interesting that some people were connecting the fact that you know that that maybe maybe temp maybe um, Dallas was still in on Carlson, and then when this this happens, they're out. I don't think that had anything to do with it from talking to people at all. It was more or less the fact that camps are opening, and both trades had to happen again. Yeah, I mean, again, I saw a tweet yesterday with Eric Carlson somewhere either at a rookie tournament or media day or something with the team, and said that he won't be speaking to the media. Like, you knew it was coming. I called someone specifically yesterday in Ottawa because I knew it was coming. We texted and said if he's signed, if he's traded yesterday, we were going to do a show no matter what the time of day was. Like, yeah. we were expecting this. Yeah, you were expecting all this. And, and, and it really does. I mean, for all the distraction that has gone on, it would have just been horrible to trot him out onto the Ottawa ice for, for yeah. a yeah. It would have really been the worst. Now here's a well, little fact. Go ahead, Mike. I just, I just think that the the Melnick video that we've talked about was the, was the signal. I mean, if we, you know, we we knew, Kevin said weeks ago that it was imminent. Yeah. And you know, and you know, so he was a sort of ahead of the curve there. Um, but it made too much sense for him to be moved, especially in the direction that the organization is going. And when the owner comes out and says we're going to have ten to fifteen new players in the next two years. Well, how are you getting those new players? You can't sign them off the street. You're trading assets that you already have to get them. And Carlton was one of those assets. Yeah. 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 In the building, though, they took down like these big photos that they used to have of players like Carlson, like Ryan, like, and they took them all down now. So I don't know what they're going to do for rebranding and marketing the team. You know, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Lots of, lots of pictures of Mark Borvieski. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to Carolina. And before, Carolina. Before we talk about Carolina, I mean, first of all, the, the team that's named after a weather event that is going to try to kill it this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it is just – it is kind of crazy. I mean, I, my thoughts and prayers are with this. is such a crazy hurricane. But, you know, I, I my wife was like, why would they name their team after something that's just devastating to them? Um, I said, well, the University of Miami did it too, you know. Um, right. I don't know. i to the area, so that's why they did it. Yeah, it's the part and, – and hurricanes are, you know – when you, when they're not hitting you, they're romanticized and they're dramatic and, and they're obviously amorphized <laughs> um, because you know we 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 give them names. Oh, how are they romanticized? Are kids born in a hurricane? No, I mean, are, are you married? The way they're the way they're covered is almost like they're they're existential beasts. You know what I mean? Oh. It's like the way the way they write it. There's written about if you survive, then then that's that's what it is. Yeah, well, they're like it, they're living things that are attacking us, kind of like you know. Well, the reason they're covered the way they are is because they're slow in developing and yeah. the weather the weather channel can get five or six days of programming out of it, whereas a tornado pops out of nowhere and just and is gone in five seconds. I, I, what if I was in the, if I was part of the government, okay? Like you can say global warming. I'm not gonna get political. But why why there's more hurricanes now? Okay, maybe it's global warming, maybe it's something else, maybe it's just the ebb and flow of tides or whatever. But can't we come up with a way to stop these things in some way, shape, or form, or slow them down. Can't we? Yeah. Can we not come up with some? Can we not blow up a bomb in the middle of these things or something? Or do something. It's look. It is science. It is getting worse because of climate change. Yeah. The only thing you could do is build better. But some of these states decided back in like 2012 that they didn't believe in this science, so they didn't. So unfortunately, like North Carolina is going to have a problem. That's it. And 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 cities like Charleston are basically. Like uh, at at sea level or below Myrtle Beach, the the, the Outer Banks of North. I mean, these are beautiful places. They're just gonna yeah. absolutely get get wild. I feel terrible about it. 
All right, so here well, we let's, go. Let's feel good again and talk about, talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Last year, some, some interesting things, interesting stats about the Carolina Hurricanes. Their goals per game, um, 2.79, that would put them at 23rd. Their goals against per game, 3.12, that would put them at 22nd. Um, you never want to be in the 20s in all these categories. The power play percentage, 18.4, that's 22nd. The penalty killing percentage, 77.5, that's 23rd. So you're talking about a team, uh, the shooting percentage, 8.1, that's 28th. Um, save percentage, 89.3, that's 31. Worst save percentage in hockey. All right. So, um, so. Yet they won a category. They are the best face-off team in the NHL. 54.1%, which goes to show you that winning face-offs is not the key to the game. Like when no, it was- because, because once you win the face-off, you actually have to put the puck in the net. Everybody's always like, yeah, I know, but everyone's always like, yo, you know, if you win the face-off, you got the puck. It's your, you're just, that's, that seems to win the face-offs. No, no, not in this case. Nope. Um, let's look at their ages, okay? They are a, uh, a relatively young team. Um, I think so. Let, let me go through this here. So, yes, yeah, so um, their top 12 forwards are – the average age of their top 12 forwards, 24.6. That makes them the youngest forward group in the NHL. But they have two guys. One's 20. One's going to turn 19. That's why. Yeah, but that's still they are the youngest. The top six defensemen, 24.9. That's the third of, of all defensemen. That's the third youngest team. So the, of their 20 yeah. roster, well, they're the youngest team in the NHL. Let me just add this. They they have the youngest forward group in the NHL, and they have one of the oldest forwards in the NHL, and Justin. So that makes that yep. makes it more important that they're one of the youngest. But it does. I mean, we 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 have to we have to say here that you know they're a team, and we've said this a few times. They're a team that had trouble scoring goals, and they traded one of their best goal scorers. Right. Right. Just, I mean, honestly, for one thing, we've got to set roster resource straight. They've got. <laughs> They've got Svechnikov and Netches on the third line. It's yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah, that yeah. will never happen. No, you're right about. It. I mean, Svechnikov. They are convinced. I don't know. They're convinced he's making the team. I talked to people out there. Team, Mac. He's he's on the team. Yeah, next, next the guy next, that they're not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure he's going to make it too. So you don't think? But you don't, don't you think both those guys are going to make it? I think both yeah. will make it. Yes. Yeah, and they're and they're they're up the middle will be Aho, Nekish, and and Jordan Stahl, which is pretty decent. Yeah. But they don't they don't have a they don't have a ton of scoring. They, they're depending on uh, uh, you know, depending on Svechnikov at 18 years old to, to really score. They're depending on uh, Terrainen, who they got from Chicago. They do have one of the best core, defensive cores in the NHL. When you have Justin Falk as your fifth defenseman, which I still think is going to be the case, he's going to be on the bottom pairing and then maybe power play time. But, you know, they're going to, you know, they got Dahan, Pesci, Slavin, and Dougie Hamilton as part of the trade. Um, you know, their defense and, and depth in the organization with Bean and Fleury and Adam Fox if they get him signed. But the goaltending is a problem still. Well, they went out and they got Peter Morazic. And um, the, the goaltending is a problem still. Well, here's the other problem, too. I mean, again, Dougie Hamilton, definitely excellent with the offense. Falk's offense dropped a lot last year. So I don't even know if they're going to get as much offense as people think out of the blue line, unless Falk has a total, unless he goes really back to his old self, which he needs to do. I mean, there's a lot of ifs with this team. Too many. I mean, and, and then, you know, Brindamore, first year coach with all these young players. That's also a, a tough one, you know. I mean, it, I mean, I, I think Brendan Moore. I mean, what Brendan Moore brings to the table is obviously work ethic second to none, right? That's that's what you want when you have Brendan Moore. You want to have a guy in there who's going to show you that he's like, you know, he's eating a pizza and exercising at the same time. Like the Brendan Moore never stops exercising, so he's going to absolutely be, you know, he's going to he's going to teach them good habits. But it would how good is he working with super young players? Like this might be the team that you wanted to look to a. To a coach who's really young, I mean, like who who has, you know, experience working. Like this might be the place where you want a college coach. Well, well that, I mean, that's the thing. He's an unknown commodity, and we know have Doug. Uh, we have Don Waddell, the veteran GM. Uh, the, I, I'm hesitant about about Carolina simply because you know I'm waiting for you know the next time Thomas Dundon meddles in the in the running of the organization, and I do think that they're in the midst of this changeover. You know, they traded Skinner. And I think they're still going to trade Falk. I think they're just waiting until the deadline to do so. You know, they're and and 
So they're a team in transition, and they're in a division that is extremely tough. So and right now, I mean, we're not making predictions on where they're going to finish, but I think they're going to be in the bottom of the uh, the Metro. I mean, I'll tell you this as, as a prediction. If, if their goaltending is what it was last year, if Scott Darling doesn't clean it up, they will be the worst team in the league. Yeah, I think I think I think I'm with you on that one. There is no backup there. Peter Morozik is not a, an NHL backup anymore. No, this is a place where I could see Steve Mason ending up. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I really could because I mean, and it's amazing to me that Steve Mason's still out there, but he is going to end up somewhere. If you're a Hurricanes fan, you're hoping to never see Peter Morozik. You're hoping that Darling is so good he plays 65 games, 70 I, games. I think Steve Mason is waiting for an injury to happen where he can go in and play as a, as a pseudo number one because I'm sure he's had opportunities to sign someplace as a backup. And we know that in Winnipeg, he wasn't any good as a backup. And, Eka, you've said how many times that, yeah. you know, Mason is better when he gets lots of work. Well, he's not going to get lots of work anywhere. He's really not. Um, and, you know, it really at this point, you're not, you can't expect – I, I don't know. I, it, it, this is the place where he could perhaps get a lot of work. If if somebody goes down, you know, he goes in there. It's possible, right? If if Mason were to end up this, I mean, this there are a couple places I think Mason could end up. I think he could end up here. I think he could still end up in Pittsburgh. I've heard that too. I continue to hear that. Again, not necessarily, you know, the best thing because the same in the same situation that you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a, you know, he's not going to play there. But Matt Murray gets hurt a lot. We and, do have breaking news, by the way. Go ahead, shoot. And it is Hurricanes related. Justin Williams is their 16th captain in franchise history. So, unfortunately, he could be a captain that goes down with the ship. And isn't it almost amazing that he's never been captain of that team? <laughs> it actually is. When I think about it, like, I'm like, well, yeah, he's been captain for, hasn't he? <laughs> no. He is, like, so associated with that team. That's nuts. Yep. Yeah, well, um, just 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 brief, just a brief note here. Moore and Justin Williams play together. Yeah, on the yeah. I think the, Justin no, Williams was on the was on the Cup winner in '06. Yeah. No, but no, no, but in Philly too, I think I remember right. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, just just uh, just a brief note as we're talking about captains, and, and then we can uh, switch over to Calgary. Um. Darren Drager reported, and I was at the at the opening of Leafs training camp, and uh, there is no Leafs captain this year. It's going to be three assistant captains, uh, Morgan Riley, Patrick Marlowe, and John Tavares, uh, you. You know, which not including Austin Matthews, which has been the, the talk, well, Matthews wants to be captain. I, I think that, you know, obviously he's 20 old, and the organization doesn't think – He's ready for that responsibility, and it, it does take so much. It does keep the early. pressure off of him too. Yeah, it does. But it also reminds me so much of early stuff with Zetterberg in Detroit. Like I, I think that it feels to me like Babcock is 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 forming a protagonist antagonist for for Matthews, like a, a, a purposeful. You know, something for Matthews to drive himself up. Like some, it really feels like you know he wants. Matthews to not be too comfortable. Yeah, and and I and also um, he basically came out and said, you know, on good teams when they're winning, you know, players play less minutes. Meaning he's not going to load Tavares and Matthews with twenty five, you know, twenty to twenty two minutes a night. He, you know, like he wants balanced attacks. Does anybody and, this, 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 like this ship coming? I mean, this is an issue. This is going to become an issue. This became an issue in Detroit. Right. But he's in charge. He's in charge. That, he's in charge for a long time. But at some point, I mean, I saw Matthews there. Matthews and Tavares were being interviewed on, I think it was TSN or Sportsnet. And the two uh, Sportsnet. They were saying, you saw that interview? It was Elliot Friedman. Okay, yeah, he's, and he asked, and, and Matthews answered about the question, thinking, Kevin, well, you know, it, if it's one, it doesn't matter if it's one, either one of us or, or somebody else, Matthews was, like, quick to say. You know, like you can tell Matthews is like, but Matthews, you know, he expects to be a captain on this team. And I think him not being an assistant captain is a bit of a shot. I mean, considering the fact that we had all these playing time issues and everything like that, this is a bit of a, this is a, bit of a shot. Or is he taking pressure off of him? I don't I think, think, I don't think well, Matthews is the kind of guy who wants pressure taken off of him. Well, I mean, I think in terms of taking pressure, in terms of the constant asking of questions from the media, they've got they've got a veteran group, and you know, strategically, they did not 
name a captain. So right. you're doing that not, on purpose, and that's what it is. They exactly. don't want to put that extra pressure on a guy in his second year. I don't blame him. Right, exactly. I, I think it's fine. That, but this is a little bit old school versus new school colliding. I want to see how Matthews handles it. All right, let's move on to Calgary. Yeah. Um, in addition to Calgary and Carolina, who have been linked together in so many ways this offseason that we're doing them together. Because mm -hmm. um, obviously they made the big trade, of, one of the big trades of the offseason, um, the Hannafin for Hamilton deal, essentially. Um, and then, so let's talk about Cal Cal Calgary. Okay, a couple, couple interesting stats about Calgary. Um, they were, um, their goals for ranked was 26th in the NHL. So mm -hmm. they had even more, even a harder time scoring than, in Carolina. Yeah. Um, the goals against was 19th. So again, you don't want to be in the 20th range. Their power play was 28th. That is that's ridiculous when you've got Gaudreau and Monahan on your team. That's all I can say. There's no there's no reason in the world. Change this year. Yeah, and then, and this is and so they went out and their biggest acquisition besides Hannafin was going out and getting James Neal. Okay, who is um who obviously we all know James Neal's year last year was pretty legendary. Um but it's interesting that, you know, he's he wasn't brought back by Vegas despite that. And they went and uh, and they went out and they did this. They this is a team that finished seventh um, in the Western Conference standings, right? Fourteenth mm -hmm. uh, overall in the NHL. So they were pretty good despite those horrible numbers. It's really interesting. You know, like I mean they finished fourth in the in a in what was a pretty weak Pacific division. So well, they're pretty good because they still have one of the best lines in the league. Actually, their biggest acquisition was Bill Peters, honestly, because yeah. Glenn Gullitson, I was never a fan of. Uh, right. I saw him throw a chair in practice. I saw him <laughs> screaming in practice. Yeah. He's just a guy that just never, to me, felt comfortable in that environment with that team. Peters will get that goaltending number from like 19 to at least 15 just with the team defense that they'll play. I, yeah. And that will be a big difference as far as offensively. Look, you could say that they that they lost a little with with Furlan, but again, they got Noah Hannafin. I right. Mean, they have solidified and, their top three for like the next ten years. And and one of the plans is, and a couple other the uh, you know on top of Hannafin also brought in one by free agency, one in a trade, uh, was Elias Lindholm and Derek Ryan. Ryan will be the number three center. Lindholm is, you know, from what I've heard, um, is going to probably play with Goudreau and Monaghan. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I still like their defense. I, I, I like, I've always liked Hannafin. I think he's a t talented young player. Um, honestly, the downfall of the Flames last year was when Mike Smith got hurt. And when Mike Smith got hurt, they, you know, they went to, uh, you know, Gillies for a time and a couple other backups. And, you know, the, if, if, Gil, if uh, Smith can stay healthy, um, they have a chance to make the playoffs. I think they're talented enough to do so. Yeah, and I think, and I think the, the expectation is for them to make the playoffs. They are a playoff team through and through with their expectations. And I just somebody just sent me something I forgot about Carolina, which is another fascinating stat. They – Outshot their opponents more than any other team in the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes. Last year, that crazy. I mean, that's a crazy, that's a crazy statistic. Um, but you know, so like in the shots taken, I mean, they had a few things going on with that team. They had Yaromir Yager there for a while. Like it's talking a, about Carolina. Carolina outshot okay. their opponents. Sorry, okay. that was an old. Carol I was going back to Carolina because someone texted me that. That, but okay. but Calgary, you know, not bad either in this in this as far as as far as out shooting their opponents go too. They were in the top five there as well. So well, you got Johnny Goudreau, you're getting shots on there. Yeah, shots. Um, and it just shows you, you know, you're taking that many shots. I always wonder about, you know, shot, shots on goal are definitely a weird stat sometimes because it doesn't necessarily mean you're better if you're taking, it depends on quality shots and things like that. But we're like Pittsburgh Penguins get out shot a lot, which is always surprising to people, but they do, but yeah, but they outscore people. Um, yeah, this uh, a couple of little quick stats about them. That's interesting. I thought um, they're top twelve forwards. They are um, they're twelfth age wise, so they're sort of in the middle. Top six defensemen. They're twentieth. They're twenty seven point six age. So their defense is not young. Um, uh, I will make my I will make a bold prediction about Calgary. They will finish ahead. They will finish ahead of Edmonton. All right, I'm gonna I'm I don't know yet, but I'm I'm leaning the opposite direction. But that's that's a, that's that's bold. I mean, it could go either way. I think, but yeah. I mean, it, it, I think most people think Edmonton is going to rebound. 
But I think Calgary. I, there's no reason to think Calgary's not going to rebound here. You know, this is a this is a good team. And well, I, I mean, the new the news today, and again, most of these restricted free agent situations are going to get resolved. But you know that Darnell Nurse and the Oilers are still way far apart on on a new deal. Their their defense is without him and without Sakara yeah. and with 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 the, with the with players that they brought in as stop gaps like Yurbeck yeah. and. It's putrid. It's not good at all. Holds so many cards in that situation. I mean, he really does. I, you know, that that's a that's a tough spot. I think Peters makes him a tougher team to play against. I think they do need a certain amount of offensive push from the blue line, which I think they'll get. I mean, Brody has to wake up to some degree. Uh, Kachuk's gonna, you know, Matthew Kachuk's always gonna score 25, 30 goals. Uh, Lindholm has to score twenty five goals. I, I think the key for Brody is he's going to probably go back to play Giordano because yeah. that was that was the whole thing with with Hamilton there. Hamilton had to, was playing with Giordano and and Brody was playing with I can't remember who it was. It was Stone or or he was playing, he was playing with uh, he was playing with Hamannick. So now he, he's now he go probably goes back to playing with uh, playing with Giordano and that that'll probably make him rebound. But I, I still think Smith is the big thing and they also got to get something out of Sam Bennett. You know, how many times have we heard Sam Bennett trade rumors? If he could bounce back and give them 15 to 20 goals, that would be welcome to, for them. I think, really I think they can get 15 out of Jankowski. The top line of Goudreau, Monaghan, and Neal could be one of the five best in the league if it clicks. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Um, I, I wonder if Neal can keep up with them. They're not, they're, it seems like he did okay last year keeping up with the fast-paced team. He definitely did, but I think part of the reason he's not there is because of that. Yeah. The part of the they're, reason- not, they're, they're, not, they're supposedly not going to use Neal on that top line. They're going to use Neal on the second line, and Lindholm is going to play on the top line. Well, that's, <laughs> that's still really good. So either yes. way, they could have a top five line in the league they could yeah. signings that they made this summer um which kind of went under the radar big time um was when they signed alan quine out of the from the islanders you know like um i, I don't i'm a fan of it i'm like i've always been a fan of this guy you know and they he's, got for seven hundred thousand dollars yeah i don't think he's that good he's okay he's, He's a thirteenth forward. He's a fourth liner. They, they, you know, they have uh, uh, they have Curtis Lazar, who's basically the same type of player. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. Quine's shown some. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just catch him at the right times. But when I've watched him play, I've been impressed. He hustles. In the he hustles. The, remember, he he was really good in the playoffs in that one playoff series they had against Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which tells me something. Like when a player is good in the playoffs, I always look for that. You know, there's something maybe more to his game, or, or at least he has the ability to find another level to his game. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Um, by the way, I don't know if it, it's so as an aside before we get out of here today. Um, anything else on Calgary? I, 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 I where do I, I'm not willing to do predictions yet on where I'm going to think they're going to land. But I, no, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure where they're going to land this year. But I think that you know they think that they're now they they're in a division that, that just got better with San Jose and, and Vegas, right? So that that's a factor um, for yeah. sure. Um, so I was on the other day. I was on my my kids are dying to go to a hockey, to a to a hockey game, and they said, "Can you get me tickets to a preseason game?" So I went on StubHub to see because the Flyers open their preseason, I think, again on Monday night, right against the Islanders. Um, so I will be attending, and um, mm-hmm. so um, I went on StubHub, and I, around the NHL, this is true too. If you're looking for a good deal, <laughs> preseason tickets in hockey. So the Flyers, they're 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 seven, second level seats for seven bucks a piece. Seven, yeah. seven. I mean that's just, I mean I know, I mean it's just like that's. Cra- I mean think about that. I mean if you're looking for like a thing to th- and you can get in the you can get in the first level, like within the first two rows of the rink, for like thirty five bucks a piece. Now, mm-hmm. and if you have a young kid and you want to take that kid to a hockey game, there's nothing better than to take him to a, like I did this with my kids when they were really young take them and sit them as close to the glass as you can and so they get an idea of, of how exciting this is how fast it is and you'll have well, a, I've, I've got a better solution Eck. you buy a ticket for the 300 level and you just walk down to the 100 level because there right. being so so many empty seats nobody's going to know the difference but it is it's me I never remember like I know this has happened before and this happens every year but I've never actually myself gone and tried to buy tickets for this but oh my gosh crazy all right, so I have a post-show comment. Can I make a post-show comment before we get out of here? I went two nights ago to see Elton John live. And, um, you know, Elton John is now touring on his final tour of his career, which actually goes for the next three years, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So it's going to be a long tour. Um, 
we've had the Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen chats here before, right? We've had that, that debate. Um, I have to say that I was, I went to Elton John, the tickets were given to me. It was, it was just fun. I'm at top, it was my wife's 50th birthday the night before. I'm like, I'll just go for fun. I have to tell you, if you get a chance to see him, he was really good. I mean, I, he's better than really good. He's great. Isn't he? No, he's great. I saw him years ago in Houston and then yeah. I saw him, uh, they had a pay-per-view once um, when he was in Vegas, when he started that thing, not pay-per-view, they had it on uh, Axis or whatever. He's great. Here, here's the thing about Elton John, and this is where he sort of differs from Billy Joel, and they toured together, right? I missed that. That would have been really good. Mm -hmm. Elton John's a better piano player way better. than Billy Joel. Way better. Like, it's just, to me, it's not, not even band. Band. But it's Billy Joel's the better lyricist, because Bernie Taupin wrote a lot of Elton John's songs. Like, that's um, where the dividing line. Bernie Taupin's, I think, well, I think Bernie Taupin's a better lyricist than Billy Joel, though. I mean, you could argue that. I, I That's an arguable point. Uh, the, the, so as a musician, the things I look for when I go to a show, right? So mm -hmm. I, the, this is the biggest difference I noticed between Billy Joel, who I was, everybody knows I was totally unimpressed by because it felt like he was jukeboxing himself and it was like the band was not into it. Billy Joel's band was a bunch of young kids out making, not young kids, but younger people out making money. Elton John had his band together still from way back when. I mean, the drummer was like 80, 80 years old. He's an incredible um, guitar player. I can never remember his name, but like he's famous, right? The Nigel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Elton John's band was way better than Billy Joel's band, and they were way more into what they were doing. It wasn't even close. And I've seen Elton John. I mean, the last time I saw him was probably thirty years ago. Mm -hmm. My favorite Elton John song is "Someone Saved My Life Tonight." Just like yeah, it's a great song. And I've never seen him do it live. He did it live the other night. That just blew my mind. Um, he's doing because this is his last tour. He's just doing. He said he's doing his favorite songs, and there was he didn't do a lot of his hits, but he did some of his, some of the, you know, he's obviously some of his hits. But he was such a good. I mean, for his age, and and his voice is great. His piano playing was amazing. I mean, you're right, you're right, you're right, Russ. He is way better than Billy. He also had voice surgery. You got to remember, his voice was rough when um, right after he did that uh, millennial concert, millennium concert. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I do have that. I have a recording of that. It's great. Yeah. Right after he did that, he had to get voice surgery. Like his his voice was shot after that. Yeah, I, I, and you can see. I mean, it was. He doesn't have the range he used to, but he's but he's changed the you know yeah he's moved the key and everything to fit his voice now, yeah, which aren't recognizable. But the band themselves, they do legitimate rocking out. They they legitimately rock, and you know it's that's rarely. I hate that term. It's cheesy, but I, they actually do. And the one of the things the things is interesting. And I've seen so many, so many different kinds of bands. Currently, everything is always set up to a click track in bands because they want to keep things together and they have extra parts going on. So the song will end when it ends because it's already figured out we're going to go around like 12 times or whatever in the solo section, then we're going to end it because it has to be set up because it's to this whole track thing. They didn't have, they had none of that. They had no, so when they ended the song, you would see, you know, Elton John put up his hand like this is the last time around. This is the key, the cue to end it, which I thought was so so. It's something stupid, but it's so refreshing to like see this. They're actually just playing, right? And um, they're doing what they've the same thing they've done. So if he comes around to your area, this was the, this was the I saw the second show on this tour that's going to last for five years, I think, or something crazy like that. He's doing three hundred gigs, three hundred gigs on his final time around. But um, where if he comes to your area and you think Elton John's cheesy because he can be cheesy, some of his songs cheesy. Way not, not not at all. I was I was. Oh no no! Because here's the thing. I mean, I think I don't think people realize. For one thing, he played through so many eras that yes, you could have a CD. And McDonald's did give him out once, and I did get it happily. But they, you know, he has a CD of all pop hits. There's no question. Oh yeah. The few pop guys that I'll actually listen to because there's more depth in his pop songs than most have it. But again, when you see him live, he really plays a lot of piano. He'll play keyboard. Yeah. He is yeah. a great showman. He's almost as good a showman as Liberace, to be honest. No, he's. Yeah. But the thing that was interesting to him about this time, having seen him when I remember when I was like 15, 20 years old, um, 30 years ago, he actually blew my mind with the humility he actually had in this. And, and there were, he was he yeah. was totally different than I'd seen him before. In that, well, you know, he's yeah. an idiot when you saw him before, and he'll admit. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he was legitimately saying, listen, I was when I when I first came here 49 years ago, we played at the Electric Factory concert and that was my bass player and that was my drummer back then and that guitar player. So four of us were all at that concert 49 years ago. 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of his early work, and I'm not like, you know, I'm saying like up until like the the mid '80s, you know, after like I'm still standing, and a lot of the, you know, the yeah. he started to get really too poppy for me, and I, it, I just lost interest. But I mean, in terms of his classic work, he's one of the best out there. He's a great piano player. He's a great vocalist. I, I love, I like the version of Pinball Wizard that he did for the Tommy soundtrack right. better than the Who version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, funeral for a friend. Funeral for a friend. Rocket. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry. Seems to be the hardest word. Is yeah, a classic. So many great songs. And I mean, Tiny Dancer. You can't get more like incredible. Yeah, Tiny Dancer is great. I mean, he gives that. You know, he does Tiny Dancer, and um, you know, and then you know, people. The other song that you know, the song he wrote for John Lennon called Empty Garden. Yeah. Empty Garden. Yep. Is ridiculously beautiful. I mean, there's just some. There's some things, and that was later. That was on the I'm Still Standing well, album. Even, even Candle in the Wind's a nice song. I mean, you. Again, yeah. people will laugh. You're right. Candle is a beautiful song. Yeah. And you people laugh at this. The the song from from Lion King, which is the Circle of Life song, Great song, is a phenomenal song. I mean, if that was just him without the, if you didn't have the whole Lion thing connected to it, it would be one of his biggest classic. You would be like, if that was written in the '70s. You would that would be an epic song that people would just be like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We have to move to end I just want to mention that um, if you get a chance. We'll be back again tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, Friday, why not? We'll do it again, we'll do it again tomorrow. Remember that was Sasaki? We will talk to you then. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.